And this time of year is uh, set aside. It's set aside for a specific purpose. And that is to, uh, to give thanks. To give thanks unto God. Uh, you read about the, uh, the history behind Thanksgiving. And it was, it was instituted specifically to thank God for all the things that he's done for us. Um, with, uh, correlating with the, the, the founding and the birth of this nation and, and the way that he has taken care of this nation uh, down throughout its history. Uh, up until the day that they had instituted this holiday to be remembered, uh, something uh, a little, uh, a little something that we need to recognize. The word holiday actually comes from holy day, and it's set aside for that for 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 a specific reason. Thanksgiving was the largest uh, recognized uh, holiday that was observed in this nation for a long time until Christmas surpassed it. You know, it's been many years back now. But, uh, but Thanksgiving was, was the time that we set aside uh, to thank God for how he had blessed us as a nation, for how he had blessed us as families of that nation, and, uh, and, and for every good thing that he had sent down upon us, for his providence that he had shown toward us. Today I'd like for us to take a uh, take our reading lesson out of the seventh chapter of the book of John, John chapter seven. I'm going to start in the first verse, and uh, and I'm going to read down through the uh, the eighth verse, and uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and start now. It says, "After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry." Because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he uh, he, he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hateth, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. And I want to stop right there, for my time is not yet full come. And, uh, and I, and I like to title my, uh, my message today, uh, Waiting on God. And that's something that we all need to do uh, in our lives is wait on God. Uh, we, we read in this instance of scripture here where Jesus has an interaction. 
he has an interaction uh, with uh, what John writes down as his brethren. Now, these are not his brethren in a spiritual sense, right? Now, the, the disciples were his brethren, but they were his brethren in a spiritual sense um, that because they were born of the Word of God, right? Uh, they, uh, they were his disciples in that sense. These are more of his kindred uh, by uh, flesh, uh, these are his uh, his natural family members, okay, uh, and uh, and so we know that we know that because of some of the things that he is that that John drops in here. Uh, first off, in the in the third verse, he says it's his brethren, uh, and then and then uh, in that very same verse, uh, those who are his brethren say to him that the disciples may also see the works that thou doest. So they kind of uh, you can kind of figure it out that these are not the disciples who's talking to him, uh, and they're actually coming to him, and they're telling him to go do something that he knows that if he does it. They'll kill him. So they obviously don't have his best interest at heart, do they? He says, go down into Judea. They say, go down into Judea. Depart and go into Judea, even though uh, the reason that you're walking in Galilee is because the Jews are seeking to kill you. And they weren't seeking to do it very in hushed tones. They were doing it openly. Um, they, they did not like Christ. They did not like his doctrine. They did not like that he spoke out against them. And, uh, and so we, we see him here. Uh, and, and I want us to stop and think for a minute and, and say, well, what could have caused, what could have caused his family members, uh, and, and whether they are of Joseph's family or Mary's family, that we don't know. Or I haven't been able to find that yet. But what would have caused his family members to get to a point that they would go to him and tempt him and, 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 and they would have the knowledge that he was being sought because they were Jews as well and they would have the knowledge that, that they were seeking his life and, and, and tell him to go into Judea uh, that thy disciples may see the works that thou doest. Now, there's an argument, there's an argument, a, a belief, I guess I should say, would be a better way of stating it, that um, a lot of times when these temptations came to get Christ to do something out of season, uh, it was to force uh, a reconstituted kingdom, a Jewish kingdom. And then that certainly probably is what's playing out here. Um, but I think also... Um, there's some anger and some jealousy playing out here uh, amongst uh, Jesus' natural family members. Because what happens in the sixth chapter, Jesus teaches a very hard form of doctrine. Uh, and I want to start in the, in the 53rd verse of the sixth chapter. Jesus teaches this. Uh, he teaches that verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, those of us that are saved, we know that he's not literally saying to eat the flesh of Christ, and we know he's not literally saying to drink, the, drink his blood. That was forbidden of the law. 
um, but spiritually speaking, that we would sit down and that we would take the bread that is broken uh, and we would uh, that after it had been blessed, uh, that we would partake of it, and that bread that had been broken was was indicative of the body of Jesus Christ that will be broken for us, that each one of us might have the opportunity to seek for the seek the God for the forgiveness of sins, because Jesus is the way uh, that we receive that, uh, and so uh, that's the bread, uh, and then the blood would be the would be the we use grape juice here. And I believe scripturally that's correct. Um, a lot of people t- will, will take wine uh, and they'll use that. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, though I could. Um, but I believe that uh, you take the grape juice or the must uh, and uh, it would be freshly squeezed juice that they would use. Uh, uh, the blood of the grape, uh, if you would, so to say. Uh, and that would be used. Uh, as it, and that would be representative of the blood of Jesus Christ, the lifeblood of Jesus Christ that would drain out down on the ground there at Calvary so that anybody who wanted to be saved uh, would have their way paid for by Christ. Now, uh, he's the only one that could pay it because he was without sin. Uh, none of us could pay the debt, the, the pay the, the the debt that was owed, uh, that was that was created there in the garden that Adam generated uh, in the garden when he sinned against God. Jesus is the only one. Uh, he goes on in the fifty fourth chapter. He says, "Whoso eateth my eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life." Now, it's not the eating of the flesh and the drinking of the blood that gives them the eternal life. It was the fact that they've been saved that gives them eternal life. Uh, and he says, and I will raise him up at the last day. Uh, that's something we're commanded to do is to, is to partake in the, uh, uh, in the Lord's Supper. Uh, and uh, and to observe the death of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that he told us to observe. Uh, This remember and do. Uh, Remember that I died for you uh, and uh, because of uh, I am your friend. And he's he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Uh, and the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me even so shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. That's a reference back to the manna that would fall when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. This is that bread which came down from heaven. As your fathers did eat manna and are dead, and he that eateth of this bread shall live Forever, and that bread is Christ, uh, and uh, and so we look at this, and and they uh, they they really had a problem uh, coming to an understanding of this doctrine. They had such a problem, they had such a problem that they they started reasoning with them, and he asked them the question in the sixty first verse if this saying offended them, and and just by the manner of him asking the question, you know that it did. And, and so there's this idea about this Jesus that lived in the world, that walked around in the world, that never offended anybody or anything. And, and I'm just here to tell you today that that idea or picture of Jesus is not correct. 
The doctrine that Jesus taught for many, in, uh, especially there in, in Judea of the day, it was very offensive doctrine. Why do you think they sought to kill him? So he asked these people a question. Now these people he's asking the question of, uh, these are the people that's present at the feeding of the 5,000. Now when he departed from there, they sought him out. Uh, but they didn't seek him out because of the miracle of the loaves that had happened. They sought him out because he fed them. One of the quickest ways that you can gain a following is just start feeding people for free. The world knows that. The world recognizes that. And that's why they advocate for it. People will absolutely lay down everything for food. It's just a fact. Jesus, as a matter of fact, he told them, he said, you don't follow me for any reason other than the fact that I fed you. And then when he gets into the real harshness of the doctrine, uh, he says, and what, he asks this question. He says, what if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before? It's the spirit that quickeneth the flesh. Uh, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. The words that he speaks are spirit and life. We need to kind of start understanding speech a little more, don't we? I think we just hear words, hear people talk, and we just hear words, garbled, mumbled words. It's almost as if most of the time Charlie Brown's teacher's talking, and that's all that we hear. Does everybody know who I'm talking about? We need to take the things that people say and we need to examine them. We need to examine them by the, the scriptures and, and say, what are these words telling us? Are they life? Uh, are they, uh, what's the spirit of these words? Uh, are they words of life? Or are they actually words that's going to lead us down a path uh, of death? I mean, because we have one of the, there's one of those two options, aren't there? It's either going to be words of life or words of death. And Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And he says, but there are some of you that believe not. Now that's the key, isn't it? Amongst that group, there was a great number of them that did not really believe that Jesus Christ was the incarnate God. And they certainly didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Uh, and so we look at that and we see that he says that therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by of my father. In other words, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, that, that God the Father is going to have to do an initial drawing uh, of you uh, to be able to get to Jesus Christ. Now, the Spirit of God does that. Uh, if you're here today and you're lost and you don't know God, uh, you may have a troubled heart on you. Uh, you may have a troubled heart. Uh, you may feel down inside that you know that, it, that something's not right. And that's God uh, giving you that indication to, to come drawing out. Now, that's not Jesus standing and knocking at the door of your heart. I don't believe in that. Jesus is the door that you've got to enter through if you want to become part of the sheepfold. Uh, and he's going to stand at the door and knock of his church when his church turns his back on him. 
And so we look here at these people, uh, and Jesus has given this harsh form of doctrine. Uh, and, and in the 66th verse, it says, And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They walked no longer with him. And then the very next scene, we have this uh, image of his family members even coming to him. Uh, and saying, hey, why don't you go down and walk in Jewry where they're seeking your life? Do it. And that way your disciples can see uh, that uh, if you really are who you say you are. Uh, and in the, in the fifth verse of the seventh chapter, uh, it tells us that uh, th- those were of his family, uh, that even they didn't believe in him. Family can be a big hindrance sometimes, can't it? It can be. It can be something. It can either be something wonderful that causes us, uh, that elevates us, or it can be the very thing that holds us back. And Jesus' family was not seeking his profit; they were seeking to hold him back. And uh, and so now I want us to get into this. Uh, he, you know, John makes us the the, the 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 acknowledgement. The Bible makes the acknowledgement that his brethren didn't believe in him. And Jesus is going to get into a teaching for them that I think is very relevant for us today. He says, Jesus, speaking of himself, he says, My time is not yet come. My time is not yet come. Now, he backs this up in the 8th verse when he says, For my time is not yet full come. But look what he acknowledge. Look what he says to his family members. And, and if you're here today and you're lost, you may be wondering when is the time to get right with the Lord. Now is the time. Today is the day. Now is the time. And there's no no time like the present. Uh, and a matter of fact, he talks about this. He's going to talk about this. Uh, he's talking to them in a worldly sense. Um, he says he says my time has not come, but your time is always ready. Your time is always ready. Now, he's going to use it in this construct. The world cannot hate you. Now, he's not talking about himself, and he's not talking about his, his disciples. He's talking about his family members, his brethren, that do not believe in him. He says to them, the world cannot hate you. Well, why? Why can't the world hate him or hate them? Uh, we go over to the 15th chapter of John. I want to continue this thought just for a moment. In the 18th verse of the 15th chapter, Jesus says this. He says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. So he's telling his family members there that you're of the world. You are, You and I... Don't walk together because I am not of the world and you are of the world. The verse of scripture in Amos, uh, I believe it's in the book of Amos, where Amos makes the statement, how can two walk together except they be agreed? This is a, a statement that is so profound, at least in my view, that it really explains so many things. Jesus here talking to family members saying, I don't walk with you and you don't walk with me because... We're not cut from the same cloth. We're in disagreement. He's saying, you're of the world, and I'm not. Now you say, well, how are you going to reach lost people if you're not going to 
go to. I have a lot of young people who have asked me this question in college, and in, in, they're in high school, and, and and specifically we at the youth retreat, not this year obviously, but last year. They said what what he said. They said they asked me this question. They said how how is it that you actually testify to our friends? How you know when they're out doing all of these things? How is it that we show them we're different? And I looked at them and I said, not by telling them. And they said, what? I said, not by telling them. I said, because if you go to them and you start telling them uh, that they know what they're doing is wrong, uh, if you tell them that, uh, that you know, what they're doing is not of God, if they do, what they're doing is ungodly, you start telling them all these things, they're going to do what, what men do, aren't they? And they're going to reject it. And they're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna become a pariah, and they're gonna, they're, they're gonna ignore you. And, and I said, and they're gonna basically, you're gonna be ostracized from society. I said, don't tell them anything. I said, just don't take part in what they do. You know, I said, when they do those things and they see you not doing those things. It makes, they make a recognition in that. They, it is, it's patently obvious. See, we think that we gotta run around all the time, just, just browbeating everybody into the scriptures, and even Jesus doesn't even do that most of the time. He does it by simply, uh, living his life separate from the things that they did. Uh, that's what he told his own family members here. He said, my time's not cut, not yet come, but your time is always ready because the world cannot hate you. Because you're of the world and the world loves its own. Then he goes on in the 19th verse of the 15th chapter and he says, but because ye are not of, or, or, but because, and then, now then, in this instance he's talking to his disciples. He says, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So you see, if you're going to do it, if you're going to make that stand, you're going to die on that hill, right? As people like to say nowadays. Uh, if you're going to make that stand, you got to you got to acknowledge it's not going to be received by most people. But they're going to they're going to make the observation. Well, why is it that this person does so well when they don't do any of the things that we do? That's a testimony. Most of us think we have to share our testimony verbally. But testimony oftentimes, more often than not, is shared through nonverbal means. Over in the 17th chapter, this is Jesus in his prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. He makes this request. He makes this request of God. He says in the 12th verse, sorry, 11th verse, he says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. 
And I come to thee, Holy Father, uh, keep through keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou wouldest give that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but save the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Obviously, that's Judas. Uh, and now come I to thee, and, and these things I speak, uh, I speak in the world that they may that they might have have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I don't think there's a higher praise that Jesus could make of anybody who quantified themselves as a disciple or described themselves as a disciple of Christ better than him saying, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. That's the definition of Christian, isn't it? Just the same as I am, so are they. And that's what the world needs today, isn't it? It needs more of that. It, 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 now, we know that the world will not re- rejoice in it. But that's what it needs. It needs those that are the salt of the earth. Uh, we go back, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on this in just a moment. Uh, I'll come back to this, and I'm going to finish up. So there's this this dichotomy, right, of being in the world or being in Christ. It's a separation. You're either one or the other. And if we're too comfortable in the world, then we're obviously not abiding in Christ the way we're supposed to. Um, We shouldn't be comfortable in the things of the world. They should actually make us feel rather uncomfortable. Uh, And so then he says this to uh, these men that are his brethren, these family members of his. He says, he says, the world, he says, but me it hateth, talking about the world. And the reason that he gives for it is, he says, because I testify of it. I declare against it. I speak out against it, not just with what he says, but just his very actions. They testified against the world. And that's what we have to remember, is that our actions... As the old saying goes, speak louder than our words, don't they? He says that they testify of, and he says this about the world. He says that the works thereof are evil. Now, how about the good works? How about the good works that they would have done? Well, there are no good works if you're not saved. I want to say that first and foremost. There are no good works. You cannot perform a work that is a good work. If you're not saved. Now, you can do something good. I don't want you to get me wrong in, a, in, a, in, in that sense. But it won't be counted for anything. It won't be counted toward a reward. Right? Uh, it won't be counted toward that. Why? Because you're still condemned. And at the day of judgment, 
they won't look at those reward, those works that you've done and say, well, he's done all these good works, Lord. How is it that he's still on the left hand? It's going to be because he hasn't believed in the only begotten Son of Jesus Christ. That's, that, is a, that is a central tenet that is necessary for good works to count toward reward. Uh, and so we see this. We see this as played out throughout the entirety of the book of John. Uh, that is, a, that is the, the central theme, I want to say, uh, of the book of John, is the new birth. Uh, starting in the third chapter, when, he, when Nicodemus goes to him and asks him the question, uh, and Jesus says that unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, uh, to the fourth chapter of John, uh, where he meets the woman at the well in Samaria, and, and he expounds to her the new birth through the way of living water, uh, to the fifth chapter where it's an impotent man standing, sitting there by the, uh, by the pool, uh, and he cannot get up and get himself down in the pool, uh, in order to be healed, but Jesus looks at him and says, rise, uh, take thy bed and walk, and it was on the Sabbath day, and because Jesus healed that man on the Sabbath day, they sought his life, um, the, whether it's the sixth verse, uh, or the sixth chapter, uh, and the seventh chapter where unbelievers are, are, are spoken against, uh, and then to the blind man being uh, uh, healed, and, and so on and so forth, and there's so many different instances where Jesus uh, exemplified the new birth and uh, in different ways. But it's central throughout the whole book that you have to be born again in order to be saved. And Jesus says that even the very works that they do are evil. Why? Not because they do them because God commanded them, but they lived their life by tradition, didn't they? Tradition was elevated to being equal to or above Scripture in the Pharisee realm. And so they did their good works because of tradition, not because God. God didn't get any glory from their work, from their good works. God wants all the glory. When we get saved, he wants all the glory in that salvation, doesn't he? Because we couldn't do it. He did it. After we get saved and we become a child of God, we have to start doing the work of taking the yoke of Christ upon us and applying it to our life so that we can actually do good works and have those good works point to our Father which is in heaven so that the world may see that there truly is God, a God to be thankful for, right? He says to them, go ahead and go to the feast. I go not up to the feast because my time is not yet full come. It wasn't his time to die yet, was it? You know what's funny? It, John, John recounts this in the 13th, I believe it's in the 13th chapter. I believe it's in the 13th chapter, yes. In the 13th chapter, after Judas has betrayed Jesus... And he hasn't brought the army back yet. He, he simply left the presence of the disciples and left the presence of Jesus. Satan has entered into him and Jesus looks at him in the 27th verse and he says, That thou doest do quickly, referring to Satan. And he leaves. And Jesus makes this verse, or makes this statement in the 31st verse. He says, Now is the Son of Man glorified. How is he glorified? 
and God is glorified in him. Because his time has come, isn't it? The thing that he was brought into the world for, to pay for the sin debt of the whole world, the time has come. And the methodology that was in place, it has been sprung by Judas going to the Pharisees and selling him out for 30 pieces of silver, a price that he was valued at in the book of Zechariah. He says, if God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and straightway glorify him. And now that's a, that, is, that is the plan of God, that God would be glorified in the death of Jesus Christ. And he says, little children, yet a little while, and I am with you, and yet, ye, yet shall ye, ye shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And by this shall men know that ye are my disciples, that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. If you want to let people know, if we want to show people that we are not of the world, but we're of Christ, we better have such a love for our brothers and our sisters in the Lord that it's plainly made, made manifest, isn't it? Jesus' time came. They tried to force it, didn't they? But you know what? God uh, doesn't work on man's time, does he? Uh, that, that frustrates us sometimes, doesn't it? We want to see justice done swiftly. We want to see things righted immediately. God doesn't work on our time. He works on his own time schedule. And when evil men try to, and, and they were evil because they didn't believe, and they wanted to send him to Judea to die. And when evil men try to force it, God resists them, doesn't he? And Jesus resisted them here. Now he went up, he went up secretly, and he taught in the temple. But they wanted him to go there to die. And, uh, and I think that here this, this morning we can be thankful that eventually he did go there to die, didn't he? But this morning, he is alive. Just like he is every day and every morning, he is alive. He is alive forevermore. Sit down at the right hand of God because it is finished. His work is done. And here today, if you're here to, and you're lost and you don't know the Lord and the, and the free pardon forgiveness of sin, um, that's what you have to do to be saved is you have to be born again, don't you? You have to seek ye first the kingdom of God. You have to seek him while he may be found, while he is near. It's a Thanksgiving week, and there's nothing that we can be more thankful for, is there, than the salvation of our soul. If there's, any, if there's nothing else in the world to be thankful for, the fact that God has applied through the Spirit, applied the blood of Christ to our heart, washed us whiter than snow, and made us clean, and caused us to be able to sit in heavenly places, made us to be able to come before the throne of God boldly, we certainly have that to be thankful for, don't we? 
Let's be thankful for the gifts of God this week. And let's remember what He's done for us. If you're here today and you're lost, seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. There is a day, there is the call upon Him during the day while the while while hay may be made. There's a night coming, folks, when uh, when no man shall be able to work. You're not going to be able to find the Lord anymore after He comes back. That's our message this morning. I pray that uh, that it finds you well. I pray that you get a blessing out of it. I pray that it's uh, uh, that it can be of effectual use to those that may not know God today. Effectual use to those who may know Him but need a, a deeper relationship with Him. Brother Williams, while you while we stand and have a song. <laughs>